The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. Uh, my name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're recording over the weekend because we wanted to wait for Rampage. And uh, good thing we did, Mike. Why don't we get right into it and discuss the main topic in all of professional wrestling right now, CM Punk. Stock up, stock down. You mean, Joel, you didn't want to start with anything else? Nothing like nothing touches your fancy we're going straight to cm punk but dude he's back the i know you were protecting yourself for the last two months about this but joel how you feeling how how did you feel friday night so i think there's there's kind of two layers to it right one is i didn't want to commit to this is happening just in case it didn't happen but also not committing to it is happening makes it still kind of feel special when it does happen Especially happening, which I guess, I mean, it had to happen right at the top of the episode. Otherwise, (laughs) it would have taken over the entire show. And the only thing we would have heard all night were CM Punk chants. So good job by the the, the booking decision to, you know, basically telegraph that as soon as this live recording starts, crowd, this is your moment. You know, and I don't know, because I know they had a bunch of matches on before that, that they recorded for Dark and Elevation and stuff. So I don't know if the crowd was chanting CM Punk during those matches or not, but I I would assume (laughs) that since they knew the show was starting live uh, eight o'clock Eastern time that they could kind of plan on, okay, this is when we can start chanting for Punk. So hopefully they were well-behaved, who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't really know what to expect from here. Like, obviously he still got it on the microphone, uh, but you know, What's he going to look like in the ring? And is he going to be able to keep up? Wrestling has changed a lot in the seven years mm-hmm. since he's been gone. And seven years is a long time to not be in a pro wrestling ring. Yeah. I, I, a couple things stood out when the music hit. Like, it was expected. Like, I was 99.9% sure this was going to happen, but it still felt amazing. I got goosebumps. Uh, my my girlfriend was over and she couldn't quite understand why a grown man was basically in tears to another grown man coming out to uh, some theme music. So I it, it, it was a moment, man. And, it, and it's, a, it's a big deal. I don't think people understand how big of a deal this is in just kind of the world of professional wrestling. Like, I, I never really thought AEW had a chance to, like, replace... WWE and I still don't necessarily think that but this is bringing it to a WCW level when WCW was at its peak like when WCW was must watch TV for wrestling Hulk Hogan the outsiders like those were game changing moments for WCW this is a game changing moment for AEW uh, especially just how they handled it you're right doing it at the top of the show I kept thinking all weeks, how are they going to incorporate this into the show itself? No, they understood the significance of this moment. We didn't need it teased any longer than it was. And they just let it kind of, they let everyone feel it. Like even CM Punk looked taken aback by the reaction from the crowd. And some of the shots they had during this entrance were just incredible. There's that one where like you see the entirety of the crowd behind him and his face just looks shocked. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I thought CM Punk was about to cry. So I, 
this is amazing. It's, it's really, really exciting. Um, Tony Khan just saying, hold my dick. Here I am. So, um, yeah, I, I'm so excited. He's in AEW and everything we heard from him promo wise doesn't sound like someone who's going to work a match or two a year. Like this sounds, sounds like someone who's going to be actively involved in the product. Maybe not every week, you know, cause we don't see every wrestler every week. That's kind of one of the positives of AEW, but I don't think we're going to go super long stretches without seeing him. So, um, it's just exciting. Yeah. I found that to be one of the more interesting things that he said was like, I have a lot to say. I'm not going to get to all of it tonight, but mm-hmm. the good news is, you know, we have every Wednesday, we have every Friday, we have four Saturdays or Sundays a year. Like that line from his promo stood out to me as basically putting a stake in the ground and saying, I'm not a part-timer. Yeah. And, uh, I, I could see him being like somewhere in between, what we've seen from a Christian cage and what we see from sting yeah. where sting is on basically every episode, but oftentimes he's there as a manager. He's there as a presence during promos. He's being interviewed. He doesn't wrestle all that often. I think punk will wrestle more often than that, but not as much as Christian who's like wrestling every freaking week. So <laughs> on multiple you know, shows. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think, you know, there's, there's a little bit to, um, Hell, if to we work can get, with in terms of a middle ground. If we can get Punk on commentary every once in a while over the likes of Chris Jericho, I think we'll all be happy because Punk was money at that back in the day. So I don't want anybody added to commentary. <laughs> there are too many voices on commentary already. I mean, if we, we have to have getting one. rid of people. <laughs> well, Joel, I have some clips from his promo. Uh, if you wanted to listen to him and we can kind of talk about some of the things he's had to say so i'm gonna go with this first juicy one here so let's let's give a listen possibly for me the most important thing i'm gonna say right now and this is for everybody at home this is for everybody who bought a ticket this is for everybody in the back if at all through my journey any of my personal choices or decisions related to my life made you feel disappointed or let down Let me just say, let me just say, I understand if you all try to understand that I was never going to get healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, staying in the same place that got me sick in the first place. So, Joel, I felt like this was when the first shots fired by CM Punk at his former employer. And we don't need to rehash exactly what went down when CM Punk left, but we all knew how miserable he was there and the bad blood between him and management. And, you know, you you ever get to that point with work, you're just like, fuck it, I can't do this anymore. Like, CM Punk got there. So, Joel, what were kind of your, your <laughs> reactions to hearing this from Punk? And he goes on to elaborate how he's in a much kind of better place now. So I'm curious to see what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, I think this wasn't a wrestling promo in the sense that we typically think of, because if it was a wrestling promo, he would have given that whole, if you ever felt, you know, disappointed, then the next thing would have been go screw yourself, you know, like (laughs) totally turning heel on the audience and going that whole, no, this was just heartfelt, like sharing of, you know, what he had to say, get some things off his chest. Um, 
I, I don't the, really the, the main takeaway that I have is that that was not an apology. And I think that's appropriate. He has nothing mm-hmm. to apologize for. He did yeah. what he needed to do, what was best for him, for his own health. And that's the takeaway. So um, I was really hoping he would not apologize <laughs> when he led into that whole thing. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh God, don't do that. Like this is, you know, you, you did what you wanted to do and then you chased would, your yeah, dreams you in to MMA yeah. and like acting all the yeah. sacrifices you made for that. Like, you know, there, there's, you know, there's just so much that he has had to deal with. And, you know, full disclosure, I missed most of his run because it took place mm-hmm. when I was not watching. Uh, but I mean, I remember when he debuted in ECW on sci-fi and I was like, who's this guy? This guy has got potential. Yeah. Like he could be really good. And then as soon as they started giving him time and putting the microphone in his hands, it was like, wow, this guy is really good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to kind of have a second chance at watching punk and, and seeing what he can do. Yeah. And I think the big thing here is um, he, di- he, he did this in a hundred percent CM Punk way. It would have been out of character and out of personality for him to apologize for doing what he felt he needed to do. So I, I do like how he handled this um, and kind of address the elephant in the room. Like, why was I gone for seven years? Like, um, you know, it had to it had to kind of be addressed and kind of had to be brought up. So and Joel, I got another clip regarding kind of his mindset. Um, this was maybe the line of the his promo for me, the one that I kind of walked away with feeling holy crap what a so here we go august 13th 2005 i left professional wrestling august 20th 2021 I'm back. <laughs> Joel, what another dig. Basically, the last fit, like the last decade of his life in professional wrestling, he wasn't in professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, is it even a dig though? I don't I don't think it is because I think uh, I think WWE will tell you and their kind of stated mm-hmm. stance is we're not in the pro wrestling business. Yeah. Like that's just facts, right? This isn't mm-hmm a dig it's not a snipe it's not even a jab this is just (laughs) punk acknowledging what wwe says about themselves they are not a professional wrestling company they're also the company that employs the most professional wrestlers in the world (laughs) so it's kind of weird yep (laughs) yeah i what i took from this line is that you know he's excited to get back to doing the style of wrestling that got him his most success like that got him to WWE. That's got him on the national uh, spotlight. And we saw bits of it throughout his WWE run. Um, I'm sure anyone listening knows of the infamous pipe bomb uh, promo. That is one of the craziest moments I've ever seen in wrestling. And I watched it live. I remember texting friends being like, what the hell is going on? Like, and you have, you have to know that he played a big part in like booking that segment, creating that segment, creating the, CM Punk persona from that point forward. And it was pretty awesome final two years and uh, three years, two years, three years and WWE firm after that. So 
Um, yeah, it, <laughs> you're right. WWE is is sports entertainment. We've been told that numerous, numerous times. Um, and I'm excited because I didn't watch Ring of Honor back then. I didn't know what indie wrestling was really until the mid 2000s because I was just on that WWE juggernaut. So I'm excited to see what CM Punk looks like in an organization that will basically fu- allow him to fully embrace himself, his creative side, and even what's he look like in the ring? Does he look different than WWE CM Punk? Does he do some things that maybe he wasn't doing in the other wrestling company? And I think that's what's most surpri- most exciting about this, Joel, is this is CM Punk with kind of a blank canvas. We like we don't know where he's going from here. We're going to get this first feud with Darby Allen. Um, but after that, he could go in a bunch of different directions. And Joel, um, I, I we talked pre-show how we would probably talk about CM Punk most of the time. What do you feel is his ideal role in the company going forward? Um, I had an interesting talk with one of my friends about this. So I'm curious about what you have to say. I, I'm not even sure because I think we need to give a little time and then step back and reassess the landscape of the company. Uh, at least on the men's side, things are getting shaken up really quickly. And there's yeah. all of these rumors surrounding Brian Danielson and Bray Wyatt. Uh, Wyndham Rotunda uh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, former, formerly Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the concern of like, how is this all going to fit together? And I know they've added a new show, so they've got an additional hour mm-hmm. of television per week but you know one of our big hopes for that additional hour was that we would get to see more women's wrestling spotlighted and if we're swelling the roster on the men's side so much that's kind of a problem because all those people are going to need time so you either have to take that time away from some of the younger talent who have been spotlighted and built up over this first you know 18 months Mm -hmm. of television um, I guess it's closer to 21 two months years. at this point. Yeah, almost two years. Um, and, and then, or you have to use all this extra time that you've got with the new show for that. So uh, I have some concerns about the, the volume of people being brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to take some time to see like where these people, these new talents, not new talents, these old talents who are new acquisitions <laughs> are going to slot in and how that's going to affect the week-to-week of AEW. One of the things that we've talked about a number of times on this show is that episodes of Dynamite tend to be better when there are fewer segments. Mm -hmm. So if this leads to more segments on the show and less time for each of those segments, and then swollen pay-per-views that are you know, bloating out to five, five and a half hours long. I'm, you know, that's not going to be a a positive thing Uh, in terms of Punk's role. I mean, he said it himself. He's here to help. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that means putting people over. That means, you know, being in the kind of Chris Jericho mold where you're going to win a lot of the time, but you are going to lose and beating you is going to be a big deal. Beating you is going to be a star making turn for whoever mm-hmm. gets that W. Yeah. I, I kind of look at the potential problems of a bloated show, stuff like that is one we've seen Tony Khan for booking for two years now. And yeah, 
if you compare the you know the the treasure chest of talent now compared to two years ago, yeah, you, you you can make the case it was easier to book the shows two years ago because they didn't have as much high end recognizable talent. That's why Jericho was on top of the card for so long. But I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because we have seen him show restraint. We don't really see uh, dynamites that feel stuffed every now and then. Maybe we get one, but it's not a routine thing. And I kind of look at the the CM Punk and potential Brian Danielson signing uh, as kind of a combo platter. You know, I, I think we won't see Punk wrestle. Um, I think we'll see him wrestle a few times for the first six months. I think it's Danielson would be more of your kind of workload guy. Like I could see Brian Danielson pulling the Christian workload and then some just working every single show, every single taping get in reps because that's what we've seen from Taylor Bryan over the years. Um, and I think CM Punk is, you have to use him. What he's brought in, in for is to get eyes that previously would not be on AEW. These are laps fans. These are former WWE fans and any random indie fan who has yet to take the plunge into AEW. So I think you're going to see CM Punk in some big time feuds early. Uh, I don't think it will be kind of that gradual Thing we've seen from a lot of the talent when they're brought in they have their debut they kind of slowly build up boom main event in like six seven eight nine ten months i think you got to use cm punk near the top of the card right away because a he's also he's older you know he's obviously not as old as like christian and matt hardy but he's not a young pup so you maybe have a few years of him kind of being at the top of his game so i think you got to stick him at the top of the card early and often Maybe not main inventing all these pay-per-views right away, but he's got to be in that marquee kind of, you know, final three, final four marquee match on the card every pay-per-view because he's a he's a big deal. He he's here for eyes, ratings, money, and also to put on put on these dream matches. And Joel, speaking of dream matches, uh, we know who his first matches. So let me play another clip. But I'm here to help. And you're the first on the list. I'm going to help you because you're a daredevil and you like danger. Well, Darby Allen, there is nothing you could do that is more dangerous than wrestling CM Punk. Oh, I forgot the rest of the clip, but he says, except fighting CM Punk in Chicago. Joel, what do you think of this first matchup here for uh, CM Punk? We kind of, it's been telegraphed very, very much so over the last few weeks. And so what do you think of this match? And what do you think of the interesting stare down with Sting and Darby up in the Raptors? I I mean, I, I think there could have been a little bit of mystery left. Uh, I, I don't think I needed Darby and Sting to be out there. I don't think I needed CM Punk to issue a challenge in this first promo. Um, because that's the definite point at which it changed from this kind of heartfelt return to, mm-hmm. okay, now we're doing pro wrestling again. Yeah. Uh, and and that's fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but I felt like we had already been given the breadcrumb of, okay, Punk's going to be on Dynamite. Punk's going to be on Rampage. Punk's going to be around. You know, this is going to be a frequent occurrence. And I think he could have, you know, done something on Dynamite and maybe it would have been a little bit, I don't know, more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, Darby's face paint looked really cool. Yeah. The Darby's uh, like, face paint looked really cool. I like the uh, trees. Yeah. And <laughs> it, 
Darby kept, it looked like he kept trying to hold back a smile. Like, this is so fucking cool. I can't believe I'm in this moment throughout that segment. Yeah, I, I agree. We probably could have just, he could have, he could have just ended the promo. Like I'm back. I'm ready to get to work. I'll see you guys next week or I'll see you guys on dynamite, whatever you could have ended it. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably is because you wanted the press release of showing CM Punk, you know, in a promo with Darby Allen, not even a promo. He's just talking to them, but to be able to say, Hey, CM Punk and sting and Darby Allen were on screen together already. Whoa, look at this. So yeah, you're right. It kind of transitioned out of this kind of, wow, holy shit. He's back and kind of brought us back to the world of professional wrestling. But, um, We've talked about this before. Darby Allen's a great first opponent because Darby Allen can take the L. Darby Allen's such a, you know, star in AEW that he's not going to lose anything by losing to CM Punk in his first match. And it's going to be interesting seeing Darby Allen kind of work as he's going to be booed like crazy. <laughs> Come all out. Uh, you aren't getting any cheers on CM Punk's first night, first match back. But um, yeah, I think it's a solid uh, pairing and, We'll pretty much get CM Punk storyline starting after that because this is pretty straightforward. I'm back. You've been kind of challenging me. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably you know pretty straightforward. I don't expect that Darby will get a ton of offense in here. I think this is going to be a pretty uh, dominant performance from CM Punk, and I think you'll see Darby doing what he does best, which is to bump like crazy and make mm -hmm. his opponent look really, really good because it's important for CM Punk to have a really good match, his first match back and for him mm -hmm. to look great. So that's your job. If you're Darby Allen, you need to make Punk look really good. And that's kind of what Darby is best at is making the other guy look really, really good. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a natural pairing for this first uh, showdown. I liked all the people joking about how CM Punk couldn't be debuting because Cody's out right now. And if he can't face Cody, he can't come into the company. <laughs> hey, we got another blonde guy to fill in the role. Okay. Close enough. <laughs> so, um, a couple things, Joel, before we move on, uh, this made the rounds on social media and all over the news. So like the CM Punk was on ESPN they like had a headline for it there. Uh, you've seen every single wrestling uh, journalist talk about it. Every seems like every wrestler has made a comment about this in some way, shape, or form. Um, and <laughs> Shop AEW crashed on Friday night because um, I tried to log on to get a T-shirt and it wasn't working until like three o'clock yesterday. So CM Punk took down. <laughs> shop AEW for a while so it's just it's a big deal and um i i joel catchphrase of the show i'm excited to see where it goes i'm excited <laughs> to see where AEW go goes and whew, it's about time why don't we move on to our next topic and this is something you want to talk about kind of the structure of rampage going forward we're two episodes in uh two major episodes in by the way um seems like some real important shit is gonna is happening on rampage so Joel, what are your thoughts on Rampage so far and, and where do you expect it to go? So the first two episodes have been really, really good. And it was a reminder to me of just how much I love a one hour wrestling mm -hmm. show. It, it's really hard to beat. I used to watch the crap out of Ring of Honor simply because it's a one hour broadcast. And, you know, it. it's so nice that it's over and you're like, 
oh my god it's, it's over like i can go do other things now mm-hmm. but it was really good and i really enjoyed it um a two hour long show is just you know i mean three is horrible so like let's continue to stay yeah. away from that two is fine and usually you know i'm not getting fatigued until about the main event of dynamite and then i'm like all right let's wrap it up yeah um but yeah really loving it so far and if they stick with this whole like three matches per episode and a couple of segments in between i think it's going to be a really really strong format and uh i i'm liking it a lot so far that being said the one caveat is I still don't think we have a handle on what a regular episode of Rampage is going to be in terms of the caliber of the matches on the card, the storylines and how much important stuff is going to be happening there. Yeah. These first two weeks are exceptions. I don't know if this is what we're going to get every single week because it's the debut. You have CM Punk coming back. Honestly, Joel, we probably won't get an idea of what the average Rampage will be until maybe a couple weeks after All Out, once we're kind of out of pay-per-view build mode, because that's what they're doing right now. They really did not have the All Out card, anything solidified prior to last week. So they are building this pay-per-view. All these Dynamite and Rampage are just going to be crammed full of stuff to get that pay-per-view going. And then, of course, the immediacy after that pay-per-view, we're going to have the fallout. So there's, there are going to be some stuff. So I think once we get to maybe like mid-September, late September, we may start getting a better feel of this. But you're right. The three-match segment, three-match segments and a few promos backstage really keeps the show moving. Like, um, you know, through two episodes so far, like I felt like it was a pretty streamlined show, not a lot of downtime. And if they can kind of maintain that three-match format, you kind of make being on Rampage a big deal. Cause it's not like main event where they like cram seven matches into an hour on, on W main event, or even like, um, you know, it's not like they're cramming 13 matches into an AW dark. It's like, you're going to be on this TV show. There's only a handful of spots. So if you make it, it's, it's a big deal. And, um, we've seen some pretty big people on the shows so far. So we saw Kenny and Christian first week, Miro, um, Britt Baker, and this week we saw Jake Cargill and freaking, uh, was it Kira Hogan yep. just getting squashed? <laughs> I, I don't agree with. Yeah, that match was a little disappointing. Um, uh, uh, but yeah. you know it. It is what yeah. it is. I don't think we're going to be seeing too many Jade Cargill matches that aren't short for a while. Yeah, a long time, yeah. And then you know, so I, I like what we're seeing so far. We'll have to see in the next few months how Rampage goes, but. Yeah, like you said, an hour show, it's going to make it easy to watch. Like, if I can't watch it on Friday night, it's not a huge time commitment to watch it on Saturday or Sunday. Like, um, and so far, you know, I've watched it live every week. So I'm going to try and do that as much as I can. So I think thumbs up so far. This third hour is definitely working. Um, all right, John, Joel. <laughs> There's other stuff to talk about this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to reach way back. <laughs> to Wednesday. You can, you can take yourself back to Wednesday and the main event of Dynamite. Uh, I, I think that was the other most significant thing that happened. We'll touch on on the Kenny Omega Christian stuff in, uh, in Lightning Round because there's some good stuff there too. Um, but Chris Jericho losing to MJF and not only losing, but tapping out in mm-hmm. the fifth labor of Jericho and, you know, this was a, you know, air quotes, clean victory 
for MJF. And um, that's kind of a huge deal, uh, especially to tap out the ostensible hero of the people in Chris Jericho in this match where he had so cruelly robbed him of his entrance and, you know, not allowed him to play his music and he wasn't allowed to use his finisher. And, you know, it worked. This whole ploy of I'm going to soften you up for four weeks and then I'm just going to, you know, beat you in the middle of the ring. Absolutely worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this whole story worked. I was a little surprised that it was going to end before all out. Like this seemed like a very natural pay-per-view style, you know, pay-per-view feud. So um, that was a little surprising. But yeah, this match was fun. Jericho really kind of made me a fan of his again over the last month. Um, this is kind of what I want to see from Jericho, like working fun matches, maybe not talking as much <laughs> and, uh, you know, putting young guys over. That's what you need from your 51 year old former champion, 50 year old former champion. Either way, old A's F. Um, that's, that's what, that's what he needed to do in this moment. And it was, it was good. And MJF getting a clean win over the hero is a big deal. I don't think he's had many clean wins, if any. Well, I mean, they're all kind of air quotes clean, right? Yes. So it's never, he never wins as a direct result of the cheating. It, mm -hmm. The cheating happens and then he wins the match shortly thereafter. But, you know, usually the babyface makes some kind of a recovery in between and then MJF ends up winning anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a nice way to give him clean wins, but also maintain his dastardly healness. And I would argue that Jericho not being allowed to use his finisher um, was the way in which this <laughs> wasn't a fully clean win, right? It's the mm -hmm. stipulation of the match, true. But, you know, Jericho had him dead to rights and held up, you know, just as he was about to hit the Judas effect. And that's what allowed MJF to regain control and win the match. So. You know, it's it's an interesting way that they've built his character as a heel. And it's it's really, really good because it keeps his win-loss record in this really, really good place where he can be relevant in either title picture at any time. Which brings me to my question regarding this. Coming out of it, it's pretty obvious that Chris Jericho uh, is going to be out of the ring for a while and doing commentary on Rampage. I'm thinking that's where we're going to see him most often for mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, what do you think is next for MJF? I'm not sure. I, I, it's That's the thing with this kind of happening so close to the pay-per-view. If this was all after, if this match was at All Out and we, this was September 6th, we were talking, like, I feel like the options would be a wide open. I'm not sure what he does the next two weeks going into, you know, they only have four pay-per-views a year. They're all big. I was thinking maybe there's a multi-man match, like a ladder match or something that you could put MJF in to maybe, you know, get a title shot or something like that. Um, you know, I think he deserves to be in a, you know, AEW world title feud right now, but I don't see him doing that against the likes of Kenny Omega <laughs> at the moment. Um, you know, if we had a babyface champion, that could be the case. So, um, I kind of don't know if, if you're going to keep him out of the title picture and you're going to continue to keep hangman page out of the title picture. I would kind of like a hangman page MJF pinnacle dark order 
type storyline. Like maybe that's what gets MJ. That's what gets Hangman Page back together with the Dark Order, uh, leading into potentially another championship attempt against Kenny. So, if I had to pick, I'm taking your boy Hangman Page and MJF because I feel like that would be a a, a fun match, and two, it also would kind of help alleviate our concerns of. What about the AEW originals and their future? The bright young stars we've been touting for two years. I uh, hope they don't get lost in the shuffle. I think an MJF Hangman Page feud can carry dynamite throughout the fall. Um, while all this other stuff with the new guys, new old guys kind of falls into place. I like that. Uh, what I had kind of in mind was given the way MJF caused Wardlow to lose his match with Jericho Mm -hmm. and the just slow burn that we've been getting from the very beginning with Wardlow kind of being fed up with MJF. uh, I really think that we're in a good spot to start this story between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, of Wardlow in the ring. I think he's also really compelling as a character and uh, I think the more of a spotlight you put on him, the more he's going to rise to the occasion. And he's another talent that they can just build up and turn into a real star within the company. Uh, I, I think AEW is primed and ready for an MJF Wardlow feud. And it'd be pretty easy too, because you could literally just have MJF be like, I did this all on my own. You know, I beat Cody on my own. I beat, Jericho on my own. I ended blah, blah, blah. I might like, and you could just have Warlow with his awesome facial expressions behind him, rolling his eyes. <laughs> like, like you could yeah. literally start this feud off of MJF getting pissed that Warlow rolled his eyes during his promo and it would work because MJF's a genius at this stuff. So it'd be great. Um, Joel, one last question on the Jericho MJF stuff and we can move on. I saw some people complaining about the outcome that Jericho should have won this in what world is that the right call? MJF had to win this match, right? Am, or am I crazy? I, I don't I don't think you're crazy, but I don't think it was a definite outcome. I think they did a really good job of building this up to where either person could have realistically won. I am firmly in the camp that Jericho's role is to lend legitimacy to younger talent. Like, His days are numbered in terms of how much longer he can go out and have a really good match. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, father time being undefeated, if you will. Um, So I think the right choice was for MJF to win, but I do think it was a choice. Uh, The nice thing about this is that this is the end of this feud. I I think what you're running into and what you're seeing online is what happens when you've been around for as long as Jericho has, and you have such a passionate fan base, people love Jericho. Like, I don't understand why people like him on commentary. Cause I think he's like one of the worst I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Truly. Yeah. Like I-, I don't like being screamed at constantly. And that's what it feels like. Anytime he's on commentary is that he is screaming at you. Uh, but Every time I'm on Twitter and I I see people tweeting at him about how great he was on commentary and how much they enjoyed his commentary. And it's like, okay, you're just completely blind to 
like you're just going to automatically assign an A plus grade to anything that Chris Jericho does. And I think there are people like that out there. So I think, you know, given that those people are always going to be upset when he loses a match, especially Mm -hmm. to someone who is so vilified as MJF, (laughs) because there are a lot of people, people who are smartened up, people who understand the heel babyface protagonist antagonist dynamic and they recognize that mjf is just really good at his job and they still hate him (laughs) so i I think it's a combination of those two factors like people just don't like seeing mjf win and people don't like seeing chris jericho lose so i'm here for it though i'm all about it like same give me more all right man you ready for the most lightning of lightning rounds? <laughs> Since we are yeah, gonna... I don't even know what to talk about, but let's do it. Lightning I'm gonna, round. I'm going to go first because I have one okay. thing and I want to make sure you don't steal my one thing. <laughs> um, okay. Because I don't really have anything else. Um, it is the main event from week one of Rampage. Uh, Christian versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. Uh, loved this match, and I thought the finish is probably my favorite kill switch that I have ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely love that spot. I hate that finisher, but I love that spot. And uh, it just is another feather in the cap of Kenny Omega, who there is no one better at making your finisher look like you just killed a man than, than Kenny Omega. Yeah, when I when Christian joined AEW, I think I literally tweeted, I can't wait to see Kenny Omega take the kill switch. Like, I can't wait to see how he does it. And I will say now, there will never be as a as devastating looking kill switch ever again. That is it. That is the standard, and I am sad that it will never be met um <laughs> ever again. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm excited for the Christian Kenny Omega match at all out. Um, they continued that story this week with him kind of getting the shit kicked out of him, trying to come help, uh, Jurassic express after their tag team title loss. Um, so this is, it's just going to get a little more heat going forward. Um, a few things I wanted to touch on Joel. I'm excited for this tag team eliminator, uh, where basically the winner of the tournament will get the young bucks at all out in a steel cage match. I think we've talked for a while about how outside interference has really been annoying with the young bucks uh in cave fabe you you solve that with a steel cage will it actually keep people out who knows and i don't see anyone else winning this tournament other than the lucha bros especially with the andrade thing of you'll never be champions while you're working for him Unless you think someone else is going to win this. I'm, I'm hard. I'm all disagree. In a... Hard disagree. Oh. I think the most likely outcome here is that Andrade costs the Lucha Bros their opportunity and, you know, continues to sow division within Death Triangle. Uh, I, I don't think it makes sense for them to divert out of the storyline that they've been doing to then get involved in a tag team championship match. So, I'm firmly expecting the Varsity Blondes to uh, win their Eliminator match and then have uh, Jurassic Express and uh, Varsity Blondes face off in a who has the best hair match. Unofficial, (laughs) unofficial, who has the best hair match. Um, And of course, Jungle Boy will be victorious. Side note, uh, my girlfriend was watching Rampage with me and when Jungle Boy came out, 
I explained to her his lineage and we Googled because his face is is Luke Perry to a T. Yeah. We we Googled uh, his mom did not realize that's where his hair came from. Like, like it literally is. You took Luke Perry's face and you copied the mother's hair. I'm sorry. I don't remember her name. And that's how you get a jungle boy. And you know what song we listened to nonstop <laughs> all day yesterday? Fucking jungle boys theme song. <laughs> Cause Tarzan boy, it is addicting. Um, it's catchy. A few, yeah. A few other things I just want to touch on Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara, I thought was a really fun match. Um, and just Sean Spears saying slim pickings in Houston after the proposal <laughs> aired, I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, what a way to shit on a town you're in. Um, I really love 2.0. I really enjoyed their match with staying in uh, Darby Allen and shout out to Danny Garcia, main eventing the second rampage him and Mar- Moxley put on a really fun match. And Tony Khan confirmed that Garcia is signed long-term as well in the post rampage media scrum. So um really excited for what 2.0 and Danny Garcia bring to AEW. slam dunk signings and really amazing that they're trusting them this early. Cause they've only been on TV for a few weeks. And you know, though they, they came in like a house on fire yeah. and just were immediately really, really good. And I, I think you kind of know that, somebody is a big deal when they debut in a high profile match with three of the biggest talents in the company. Yeah. Darby (laughs) Allen, Kingston and Moxley. Yes. (laughs) You know, and that's, that's what they did. So, you know, that set the stage and they have delivered in, in every single opportunity they've been given. And it's a, a testament to Tony Khan's ability to scout talent and, and have faith in people because, uh, 2.0, formerly Ever Rise, never really got a shot in WWE. And Daniel Garcia is somebody who they would have taken one look at and been like, nah, bro, you're too small. Like, put on 35 pounds of muscle and then come back and we'll we'll find an opportunity for you. But in AEW, that stuff doesn't matter because it's not real. <laughs> Which means anybody can beat anybody. You don't have to be giant. It's good to have different sized people. So uh, yeah, really, really love those guys. Yeah, uh, just great additions to the company. And man, give me a, give me 2.0 versus the Young Bucks at some point. If, like, I feel that would just tear the house down. So uh, God, there's so many things going on right now, Joel. We could talk about a million other items, but I feel like I feel like we emotionally we have we have we have hit the cap for this week. Um but yeah, guys, don't worry, our normal episode structure will be back next week. We'll record on Wednesday. And going forward, unless anything crazy happens on Rampage, like the return of CM Punk, we will still record on Wednesdays and, and give you our Rampage starts then. Um we have all out coming out, so we'll have our prediction show and our reaction show. Um pretty pretty close after the end of the pay-per-view um so yeah you can follow us on youtube not youtube what the fuck you can follow us on facebook and instagram at the other wrestling show twitter at ows underscore pod joel at the other joel me at michael underscore randa can get the podcast on spotify tune in stitcher anywhere you get your podcasts apple podcasts we're there give us a uh, subscribe i don't ever know how to say this part give us a follow give us a like i don't know subscribe um and you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com and uh 
Joel, are you excited for the eventual Kenny Omega CM Punk match where they determine who is the biggest Michael Jordan stand? Uh, sure. I really <laughs> hope that doesn't factor into the storyline at all. Mm, you're no fun. <laughs> Join Dark Order, guys. <laughs> Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.